Welcome to This Week in Film. Welcome to This Week in Film, special birthday edition. <laughs> That's right, it's Nick Benunto's birthday today. I'm Midwest Matt, and here we are celebrating Nick turning 37. Yay, I made it. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Uh, so this is the weekly podcast where we get together. We talk about the movies we watched over the past three days since we last recorded a podcast. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Hey, wait. Are you gonna are you gonna post this today, or are you gonna wait till Friday? I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll do it today because I'm busy the rest of the week with work. Gotcha. So we'll put out two episodes in one week. It's not against the rules. We make our own rules. That's right. I don't need no stinking rules. Yeah. Um, so, Matt, we each watched yeah. a movie this week. Did you happen to watch Escape Plan? I did not see Escape Plan. Oh. I did not get a chance. Oh, what a shame. Um, uh, I'll talk about that first then. All right. Feel free to spoil stuff, but I'll try to get around to it sometime relatively soon. Yeah. I don't think you need to worry about, worry about <laughs> okay, watching never it. Mind it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I watched the movie from 2013 called Escape Plan, starring Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and co-starring 50 Cent, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Sam Neill. Sam Neill? Yeah, Dr. Grant shows up. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that one. Neither was I. (laughs) He, like, walks in and he plays a doctor. And I was like, Dr. Grant! Uh... So, Escape Plan is about the adventures of Sylvester Stallone's character, Ray. Uh, He gets himself, for a living, locked up into prisons and then escapes in order to help the prison... uh, uh, Test their security? Test their security, exactly. So, he he gets put in jail, and then he escapes, and then the the prison adjusts their... uh, their way of of things. So he's been doing that all over the country. They say he works for the federal board of prisons and, and he's, uh, he's gone through to all the major maximum security prisons all over the country. Yeah. I don't buy that. (laughs) (laughs) That's not something I can picture Sylvester Stallone doing. Sean Connery can pull it off. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone. I don't know. Well, so, um, then the big, he gets out of jail from the, from the preview one or the, from the, the movie starts while he's in prison and then we get to see him escape. And then they explain to us how he was able to escape. Uh, and, uh, so he gets that out. Part fun. What's that? Sorry. You're just trying to go through the plot and I'm like asking you these questions as you go. No, please. Uh, the movie's terrible. It's- okay, cool. Uh, is, is that fun? Like, you know, sometimes, uh, like, you know, like Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes movies, stuff uh-huh. like that, where they kind of show how things work. Um, maybe the show more than the movies. I don't know, but but like that's kind of fun. Uh, getting to see how it works is it is it fun there? It's terrible fun. Ah, like the movie's bad. It's a, it's a it's a bad movie, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, so like 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 one of the things that he does is he gets himself thrown in the solitary confinement, and while he's in there, he he learns the patterns and routines of the security guards that watch him and then he can he may he, he makes his escape based on that but it's all it's all pre- done pretty heavy-handedly and and with no sense of realism <laughs> any sense of time like is it like oh it takes him three months to figure out their patterns or is it like he's in there for a day no he's in there for like f- six months i think this first prison oh, it takes wow. him six months to get out of jail 
Uh, I see. Uh, and then, like, in order to get into solitary confinement, he has to get into a fight with other inmates in which he stabs another man in the heart. Oh. He gets himself thrown in the solitary confinement. Yeah. That's good. I know if I were a prison and I were hiring somebody to test the security, I would want to make sure that they end up killing a few prisoners here right. and there. Yeah, you got to make your mark. And uh, so anyway, he gets out of he gets out of jail. Um, and then uh, he gets uh, the next day at work, uh, he gets pr- propositioned with another big job. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is his partner. Um, he's like the money man. He lives on the outside where, where Stallone goes inside to do all of his work. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a lady who says she's from the CIA and they want to test this um, like a black site, like a Guantanamo Bay kind of prison where, uh, where, where they send all the bad people. And, uh, and so Stallone agrees and they send him to the prison and immediately it's nothing that he signed up for. It turns out Vincent D'Onofrio, Uh-oh. Vincent D'Onofrio what? is the bad guy. Oh, like, uh, cause it's Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. All he ever plays. Yeah. Um, he, he has, uh, he has betrayed Stallone and they set him up to go to this black site prison where he'll never be able to escape. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a movie just so that I can cast Vincent and Vincent D'Onofrio as a good guy, right? And that'll be the plot twist. Oh, and then like, uh, oh, he's actually good. So Stallone Stallone shows up in the super maximum security prison, um, yeah. and it, Jim Caviezel plays the the warden. Jim Caviezel isn't that the guy that played Jesus? Yeah, I didn't know he was ever in anything else. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's a good actor. Uh, All right. I think have you ever seen um oh I can't think of the name of it. Crap. Um it's about it's about another prison break. Uh the Duke the Count of Monte Cristo. You know, I think I did see that. That's a great Did movie. that have Guy Pierce in it? Yes, it did. Okay, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's a good movie. Um, yeah, I see everything with Guy Pierce in it, which isn't the best way to live life, because even though he's great, he's in terrible stuff. Did you see the one where he was in space prison? Probably. Yeah, me and Lou went and saw that in the theaters. It was great. <laughs> um, so anyway, Stallone's in super jail, and yeah. uh, and he's got he finds out that he's been betrayed, and and he's got to get out. So the first thing he does is make friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is also in prison, and uh, like for literally, what? what's that? What's what's Schwarzenegger in prison for? He's in prison because he knows someone who is wanted by the federal government. That's why he knows, he's in jail. He knows someone who what? He's in prison because he knows he knows a guy. He knows a, like a guy who's like Robin Hood. He robs from the rich and gives to the poor. And okay, so Schwarzenegger <laughs> knows this guy. He's not Robin Hood. He knows Robin Hood. Exactly. And he's put into the Guantanamo Bay of prisons. Well, yeah, Guantanamo Bay, <laughs> where they where they um, proceed to torture him to try to get him to reveal the location of this this guy Mannheim. I see. It's it's just a very long interrogation. Yeah, exactly. I see. And um, so the sounds sounds legit. Within the first five minutes of Stallone being in prison, Schwarzenegger makes friends with him for no reason at all. For for no reason at all, he just comes over and he goes, "Hello, I'm here to be your friend." <laughs> and uh and stallone is like okay you gotta do it that 
that my my childhood self would find that so weird. Because as a child, you know, they were opponents. <laughs> you know, they were the the problem with this movie is that it didn't yeah. get made twenty years ago. If they made this oh, movie yeah. twenty years ago, it would have been so so great. Uh, oh, yeah. Like the whole time you're watching it, you're just like, oh, it's a shame. It's a shame we got to get old. Yeah, you want to see some Predator versus Terminator action? Rocky versus Terminator. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, those would both be Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Although I wouldn't mind seeing Predator versus Terminator. That'd be a fun movie. I wouldn't mind Rocky in Predator. Yeah, you're just boxing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you get you ugly, and um, so, uh, so Stallone and Schwarzenegger become best friends. Um, Stallone figures out how he's going to get out of prison, like almost immediately, uh, using science. Uh, he's able to escape once again. He has to get locked into his uh. Oh, oh! The main prison. This is great. The main prison, um, like where their cells are, it looks uh-huh. just like Magneto's prison from the second X Men movie, where it's like all plastic and see through. Oh, okay. And that's all I could think of when I, when I was watching. Is it just looks like? Oh, this is where they locked up Magneto. Right. Uh. So he. Has yeah. To- which. Uh, which, by the way, that wouldn't even work. Because I mean, like, yeah, it's a big room that's like glass or like you said, like plastic or maybe mm-hmm. fiberglass or something. But there's metal on the outside of it. Yeah. Like there's not some sort of like it's not like Magneto has like a eighty foot radius on his power. Anyway. Right. Well that's sorry for the tangent. <laughs> the question I have about that is it yeah. has to do do with like an MRI machine. Like, you know, if you have a if you wear metal when you get an MRI, it'll like rip off and attach to the machine. Oh. Okay. I, did, I you know, I didn't know I didn't know what the actual problem with um, metal and MRIs was. But if you're outside of the MRI room, your your necklace won't tear off of you or or something. So like, is that how? Like, maybe there is a a distance where where magnetic power is is limited. Where, like, if you're just outside the room of an MRI machine, they have like waiting room chairs, but they don't. Uh-huh. You can't bring those chairs inside the room because they'll be destroyed. They'll get ripped into the machine. Yeah. So there must be and some sort of special special thing on the outside of listeners. If you know how MRI machine <laughs> rooms work, please let us know because wait, 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 listeners. If you know how Magneto works, <laughs> let us know. Does Magneto have a range? Is it like Superman and there's like a layer of lead so he can't see through it? Right. Yeah. Maybe plastic just cancels out all his powers. Right. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so Stallone has to get away from the Magneto prison and get put into isolation, uh, the solitary confinement. And while he's in there, he figures out how to get out of the box and, uh, he, he climbs and, and, and he gets, he gets away. Right. And he's, he finds his way to the surface. He just, he figures, he decides that the prison has to be underground based on, you know, the movie has to keep moving forward. And, uh, and he gets he gets out to the top, and it turns out the super prison is a super giant boat. It's a uh, super giant boat. He's out in the middle of the ocean. He escaped, but then there's water. Right. So, so he's got to figure out how does how do I escape the boat? So he goes back and goes back into prison, and him and Schwarzenegger work on a plan to. Uh, 
to escape the boat. And Schwarzenegger's like, well, where do you think we are? And Stallone goes, uh, I don't know. I think off the coast of Morocco because uh, the water's calm and it's warm outside. And they go, Man, okay. He just has lots of knowledge. Right. Yeah. Is, is he wearing glasses in this movie? No. No, he's oh, not. Well, then I, then I definitely don't buy it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So Stallone, St- Stallone says, I think we're off the coast of Morocco. And, and Schwarzenegger's like, I have a friend in Morocco who owes me a favor. And he goes, okay, well, we got to get in touch with your friend because we've decided that's where we are. Uh, and then they, they use, spoiler alert for this movie, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stallone goes up to Sam Neill, who plays the prison doctor. And he's like, hey, you took a- Wait, wait, wait. Does he walk up to him and go- Alan. <laughs> uh, he goes up to the doctor and he's like, you know what they're doing here is wrong. You took an oath. You took an oath to do no harm. And the, and Sam Neill's like, get him out of here. And the very next scene, they show Sam Neill sitting, sitting with a doctor book that has the Hippocratic oath there. And he's like reading it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did make an oath. <laughs> That's true. That was a thing. Um, so then. He agrees to send an email from Schwarzenegger to um, to his friends um, in Morocco, and uh, to to get the helicopter. So that means that Schwarzenegger uh, and Stallone have to be off or be on the top of the ship by like four four o'clock in the afternoon or something, because that's when the helicopter is going to show up to save them. Wait, is Schwarzenegger's friend in Morocco the Robin Hood guy? Uh, no, it's just some some other guy. Oh man, it could have hung together so tightly. Yeah. So they fight their way to the to the to the top of the ship. The helicopter comes. They both get on the helicopter, and then when they get to the shore, uh-huh. they you know they escape. That spoiler alert: oh. they escape. Uh, when they get to the shore, and Stallone and Schwarzenegger are, are talking, uh, Schwarzenegger reveals that he was Mannheim the whole time. Oh yeah. The whole time he was the guy they were looking for. So, uh, so he couldn't answer their question. He could honestly answer their questions wrong. Right. They'd be like, where do we need to go to find Mannheim? He'd be like, I don't, you don't need to go anywhere. That's more of a Stallone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, so Stallone's like, yeah, it was me the whole time. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, that's better. Thank you. Thank and you. Then, uh, Glad you got my back. Yeah. And so then, so then they're like, okay, well, uh, I hope I never see you again. And Stallone's like, oh, what was it? Was that that bad? And, uh, and then they say, do you need a ride anywhere? Cause they're on the beach in Morocco. Like they just jumped off this helicopter on the beach in Morocco in the middle of nowhere. And Stallone goes, nah, I got a ride. And then the next scene is just him in an airplane hangar with his business partner talking about the, the comeuppance that Vincent D'Onofrio gets, which is, he's just locked in a car in a, uh, on a, on a boat himself. And, locked uh, in a car. Yeah. He's, he's locked inside a car inside a shipping container. That's, huh. that's Vincent D'Onofrio's comeuppance. That does sound like a frustrating situation, but not a very climactic. Yeah, it doesn't make any. It's like they had Vincent D'Onofrio for three days, and they were like, "Okay, um, just put him in the car. We'll just put him in the car." Fifty cent is the one that puts him there. Hmm. So there's no big like fight at the end. I mean, there's a huge shootout where there there are almost more guards on this boat than there are prisoners, 
and uh-huh. Schwarzenegger and Stallone start shooting the guards. Schwarzenegger gets a big gun and he just starts like pl- blasting guys away left and right. Doesn't that- sound like a very sophisticated escape plan. <laughs> no, it's it's not. It's not. It's uh it's ridiculous. Um totally worth watching. I recommend watching uh Escape Plan. And then I found out when I was looking at it that they made an Escape Plan 2. Uh-huh. And uh let me see. Oh, it's IMDb score is so this movie's IMDb score was 6.7, which I thought was a bit generous. Wow. Yeah. Um, Escape Plan 2, Hades, which also stars Stallone somehow, uh, is... But not Schwarzenegger, huh? No. It's got Hmm. um, Batista from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and wrestling. But uh, Escape Plan 2, Hades, uh, has an IMDb rating of 3.8. So I feel like I'm going to have to watch that. Maybe, Maybe they wanted to get Schwarzenegger back, but the writers were like, look... We don't have a believable reason to bring these two guys back together. Uh-huh. And we don't want this to get silly. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I do from what you've described it, I've got this this image in my head of the two of them. You're gonna have to forgive me because I'm about to do impressions of both of them. <laughs> but like this, these two guys talking like Schwarzenegger looking over at, at Stallone and be like like Stallone's like scribbling some stuff down down on paper without uh-huh. glasses, so it's not even very convincing. Right. And he's like, "What are you doing?" And and Stallone's like, "Oh, there's nothing. There's nothing." He's like, well, "No, what are you doing? It, it, it's my escape plan." <laughs> and he's like, "What is your plan?" It's like, "We shoot everybody." There, there is <laughs> a moment it. that is basically the plan. Um, that's basically their their plan is to just you know start a riot and get out of the prison. Um, there is there is a like a subplot of of. Uh, Stallone has a daughter and I guess she drew a picture of a house with, with like two people standing next to it. And every prison that Stallone's in, he has to like graffiti this image in to wherever he's at. So like he carves the picture into a table the whole Did time. Did his daughter die? No, not at all. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Then. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And, uh, it's it's he's like drawing on this table like for for most of the movie when while he's talking to Schwarzenegger and you think oh he that's where he's drawing the plan and it's like nope he's just drawing this terrible ha- he's making a picture that a child would draw of like a house is that, is that the house yeah what, what is that we are going to escape from the house why, why are you drawing a house yeah there's also a large sequence where Stallone is pretending to be uh, Schwarzenegger is pretending to be crazy while speaking German, which I had never seen him do before where he's, I guess, speaking German. <laughs> he's just like, I, you know, I don't know how to speak German. That's a good impression. That's exactly what the German people sound like. <laughs> they all sound like they just stepped on a nail. Yeah. Um, and it, for like three minutes, he's just screaming in German at uh, Jim Caviezel while Stallone is like making his or- initial escape to figure out that, that they're on a boat. Was this in theaters? It was in theaters. Um, wow. And uh, I looked up the, the numbers for it. Uh, the movie made $25 million in the U.S., which is, you know, not super great, but it made $112 million worldwide. What uh, was the budget? In addition yeah. to the 25. Uh, I didn't see that. It, huh. But it's got to be like, I want to say $20 million budget, maybe more. 
I mean, cause man, it, I remember when Stallone was like the highest paid actor. Yeah, he would get paid twenty million per movie. Yeah. Um, those were the days. I those guess. were the those were the days. But uh, yeah, the movie made a ton of money overseas, uh, and it's directed by a guy named Mikhail Halfstrom, who has done, who made the right. I don't know if you ever saw the right. I never did. No. But it's got uh, Anthony Hopkins in it. Um, he made this and this, this and the right and a couple other movies, but I guess they're, he's more of like a, a foreign director where like they make movies for overseas. Like it's more, more for the international audience than the American yeah. audience. Different market. But, uh, but it's a, it's a shame like that, that Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger took this long to get together to make a movie because they're both well past their prime. Stallone, Schwarzenegger looks terrible at one point running, running across the boat to get to a big gun where he just looks like an old man trying to run. And Stallone, every scene that he's in, you can tell right before they did the scene, he did like 50 push-ups or something. Cause his, his veins are like popping out of his arms and stuff. And he, he looks, he looks just so stiff moving around. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a shame they couldn't make this movie when they were young and in their prime. And then all I could think was how awesome this movie would be if it starred the rock and Jason Statham. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably, uh, how it should have been made. I mean, that would have been the, if it wasn't going for some sort of nostalgia grab, Yeah, but you know, the rock and Jason Statham are probably pretty expensive right now. Yeah. I mean, the rock is, I'm sure. I don't know about Jason Statham. He's in a lot of like. He he kind of jumps between stuff that's out in theaters and stuff that can go straight to DVD. He's, he's sort of in that. He seems like the kind of guy there. who just says, "You're going to give me money? Sure, I'll do it." I, I feel like he he probably goes. Does it sound like fun? Yeah, and that's probably about it. Like, does that sound like it would be fun for me? Oh, it does. Okay, cool. Yeah, like he's got that Megalodon movie coming out this summer, and yeah, it seems like well, that looks like it's a it's a big shark movie. I get to spend a bunch of time at the beach. Let's do it. Yeah. Boy, that looks like it should just be on sci-fi. Yeah, it does. It looks just I mean, terrible. I will be in the theater. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm going to see this movie. But yeah, it, it, it looks like it should be on TV. Uh, but I also got this sort of image while you're talking about the, the painting or the drawing of the house. I like Stallone going back to his daughter and being like, hey, you know, you probably... Uh, you probably need to destroy this this drawing and you might want to lay low because <laughs> <laughs> i have been tagging every place i've broken out of with your stuff yeah and they might be coming for you at some yeah point. and and I, it gets to the point where you think maybe his daughter didn't draw this picture and it's just his drawing of a house with people next to it <laughs> this is the real story about that character is he just wants a home yeah that's why he's going to all these prisons he's hoping one will be the final one where he yeah. goes, ah, i like it here <laughs> yeah this is my home um yeah so uh so that was that was escape plan it's it's terrible um i might have to step away for a second because i think my twins are waking up okay um so let me i'm gonna hit the pause button and then uh, we'll right. be back in a minute okay and i'm back for my exciting adventure um so yeah that was escape plan it was a, a an hour and 55 minutes long i'll never get it back and i'll probably watch it again okay next next time i'm out in delaware uh i'll, I'll watch it with you okay it sounds good I'll do it that way 
Um, so joining us now are my two little twins. They're looking at me like I'm crazy because I have on headsets and I'm talking into a microphone. And Charlotte's picking her nose. So that's exciting. So am I. Uh, uh, <laughs> <never mind. laughs> uh, so Matt, what did you see this week? Well, I, and I believe you, saw Fahrenheit 451. Yes, the classic H- movie from the 60s. No, an HBO original from this year, <laughs> starring Michael B. Jordan and what's the other? Michael, Michael Shannon. Shannon. Yeah, yeah. General Zod himself, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I saw the preview for it, and and I I feel like HBO usually does some does pretty good movies. Like when, it, when I've watched uh like Game Change, the movie about Sarah Palin. Uh huh. Um. And the the Bernie Madoff one with uh oh man who's the guy from Analyze This Robert De Niro Robert De Niro uh, was in a Bernie Madoff movie yeah please Bernie Madoff oh. uh I thought those were good so I thought you know all right HBO movie their shows are good this should be good um I like Michael B Jordan from what I've seen him in uh-huh. and, uh and I I did not care for it very much no it wasn't very good. No, it was boring. It was really boring. Uh, uh, my my biggest problem with it was it was so like hit you over the head and so kind of overly dramatic. It just there just wasn't any subtlety to it at all. Yeah. Um. So uh, what's it what's it about? So the idea is and also it's, it, you know spoiler it's, warning for Fahrenheit four fifty one. Right We're and. If you don't want anything spoiled for something good, I, I now I've never actually read the book, but um, I kind of walked away from this going, I should read the book. So if yeah. anyone out there doesn't want things from the book spoiled, did you ever see the uh, original movie? No, I never did. Yeah, me neither. That's supposed uh, to be a good movie. I'll bet it is. I'll bet it is. And um, yeah, so I'd say you know I, I'm sure lots of it's updated. Um, uh, and you know, stuff that would be specifically books is, you know, it's kind of played out through computers to a degree in this movie. So, um, things are probably pretty different from the book, but I would imagine the plot follows a similar system. Yeah. Um, but boy, uh, so the idea is that it's sort of a post-apocalyptic kind of thing. And the apocalypse isn't that the whole world is destroyed. It's more of a, what, dystopia? Um, and books have been outlawed and largely destroyed and firemen now are just people who go and burn books and, uh, remove the identity of people who have had books and Mm -hmm. they call them eels. I don't really know why. Yeah. Um, their punishment seems kind of weak, you know, cause it's like, Hey, now you're not identifiable. (laughs) Right, so you can go rob a bank because you got no fingerprints. Right, yeah. The people, uh, the people that they arrest are were already kind of living off the grid anyway. Yeah, and then they don't seem to go to jail. They just have their fingerprints burned yeah. off. Which um, I think, I, I think the point of that is to ex uh, exile them from society because the, everybody else uses their fingerprints and body metric biometric data. Uh, to get everywhere, like to ride the subway, you have to scan your fingerprint. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it is pretty inconvenient. Yeah. Uh, 
But I mean, I, I feel like you could just go rob all those people and they'd be like, who did it? Oh, someone with no fingerprint. Okay. Well, that's like a million people now. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there you go. Well, and at the beginning of the movie, Michael B. Jordan, who is a kind of high ranking, but not the lead, um, not like the captain, I guess, of the fire brigade. <laughs> I'm not right. quite sure what they're called. Anyway, he uh, he burns some computers and then sees a woman willing to burn herself in a huge pile of books. Yeah. And it gets him thinking like, Oh man, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something to this. Are These people are really motivated. dying for. Yeah. I've been doing this for years and I've climbed up the ranks. I think they say it's something like 16 years, uh, but it's just occurring to me now that maybe books aren't so bad. And, uh, and then he, he, he turns into a quote unquote good guy. And yeah. It's like, all right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to, I'm going to start saving. Oh, cause there's a girl who right. likes to yeah. read. He finds <laughs> and, himself uh, a little bookworm. Yeah. And he falls in love with her. And so, and he sort of joins her underground book club. <laughs> uh, and then he gets found out by Michael Shannon and people and they kill him. Yeah. And and there's some sort of stupid ass thing where <laughs> all these people in this book club memorize books, but then somehow they also have all the books turned into something that's stuck in the DNA of a bird and it's really <laughs> preposterous. And so so they got the <laughs> the there's this moment where cuz this this movie just has it, this is something that if it were going to be done in a better way could be a lot longer actually. And like maybe two movies where certain things get developed uh, a lot more. Yeah. But it's just like, Hey, here's act three really quickly. Uh, Hey, Michael B. Jordan, pretend you're going to kill this guy. Okay. Now you're in. And now we're all getting attacked and it's over. Right. And so he meets this kid who has memorized like a ton of books. And um, so. Uh, hey, let me interrupt you for a second because the rest yeah. of my family just got home and I got to go say hi. Okay. I'll be right. This is another right, commercial I'm, break. All right. And we're back. What an exciting commercial break. Matt, where were we? Uh, well, I was saying that there's, once Michael B. Jordan gets into this book club, this underground crew, uh, he meets this kid who's really, really impressed with himself for having memorized like a zillion books. Yeah. And then, I don't remember exactly what the number is, but it's so ridiculous that there's no way that a kid this age, even if he started reading when he was one year old, uh -huh. had time to even read the books, yeah. let alone memorize them. Um. And then, uh, and then they're like, "Hey, this is also all in this bird, right?" And yeah. so I'm kind of like, they're "What's able, the deal here?" They're able to code into the DNA of a bird all of the written works of mankind. Yeah, so it's kind of like you have both of these things together, where you're like, "Is he?" It just doesn't feel like they're either that important because it's like, well, you got the kid and you got the bird, right? And so, of course, at some point later the 
the kid dies and he lets the bird go. Right. Yeah. He puts a, he puts a beacon on the bird for some reason. I mean, they may as well just called the bird like plan B. Right. Like, that's what it is. Oh, and you know, so that's, as that's the- a, you know, it's great. You bring that up because every moment of escape plan, Stallone keeps talking about, we gotta have a plan B. <laughs> well, who knew there'd be the crossover that there right, is yeah. uh, between that and a, and a contemporary movie based on a classic book. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it just, it just really makes it, it, it's like, you can feel it the whole time. Like as people die, cause uh, like the firemen come and they are beating these people up and killing them and stuff. And you're like, yeah, I don't think it matters. Cause they still got that bird. That's probably going to get, Right, you know, and the bird's flying to, to like go. Canada or something, right? Isn't that where they want to go, is Canada? Yeah, for some reason, the bird needs to get to Canada to mate with other birds. Uh-huh. But then it just like, it flies out the top of the house, and I mean, I don't know exactly. They're in Ohio, so I'm not sure how long it takes to get to Canada from Ohio, but it almost makes it seem like, here's that bird the next day mating with other birds and right like, who yeah. cares whether that's in canada or america yeah so like the whoever like the he attaches a transponder to the bird now what what does that mean like that i know I, who has the other half of that it's not like he punches in like all right john from canada is to is connected to this bird like to track it down the bird just flies away well and it all just feels like a stupid reason like they they needed to come up with some reason for him to break back into where he used to work and get caught and so that was it he's breaking in to get some sort of transponder and i'm like first of all why is this at his job why do they have a bird transponder at work right yeah second well, they, of all they, they show that earlier in the movie he pulls out a transponder when they're when they're driving the bus the the fire uh-huh. truck uh someplace that's like off the grid a little bit like away from the the siri computer system mm-hmm. and he, he has to use a transponder they say well, turn on the transponder and he just turns the switch on like he does with the bird like he just flips it on which i think is supposed to be so that the drones can find them but why would yeah. the transponder that would lead this bird to where it needs to go be at his works place? Yeah, I don't know. And how and maybe they explain it in the movie, but it, it all seems very contrived. And the, the transponder is is like a, a large like it looks like a thumb drive, but he pulls it apart and attaches like a small bit of it to the bird, like as if it were a uh carrier pigeon. Yeah. Well and 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 also, um, that whole that whole thing with him going into work seems dumb too, because he's just walking in there like nothing's been going on. Yeah, and and then Michael Shannon's like, "Hey, caught you," and it's it's <laughs> sort of like, "Well, duh," because I mean, as it is, he can't walk around outside without people knowing where he is all the time because it's all dystopian security stuff, right? Uh, so why would he be able to go into work so easily? Um, but these are questions the movie doesn't answer. Well, no, it doesn't. Or it's not even like answering them. If it did, it it would just throw in some crappy line that doesn't still make it convincing. It's just not very convincing. The, like some of the broader ideas of the movie that I liked were, were that the, 
the book burning the book burning started as book bannings because people were offended by books or at least mm-hmm. according to Michael Shannon like they banded they banded they banned uh the adventures of Huck Finn because of its use of the n-word they're like your people found that to be offensive so we had the book banned right. and then um like Hemingway with women's groups found Hemingway to be sexist and so we had those books banned and somewhere along the way they just start destroying the books and it's it's the will of the people that led to the destruction of the the written word um rather than rather than the government just taking power and saying that this is that this is bad it just starts off as um that's my family they're they're making noise um, so it's like the destruction of the written word wasn't the the commands of some totalitarian uh, dictatorship, but rather the gradual decline of uh, society, which I thought was an interesting concept. Um, couldn't quite hear all that. It was uh, good. It was all really good. <laughs> but uh, hold on one yeah, second. It's... We're going to take another commercial break. And we're back. So, <laughs> um, apologies, everyone. All that apologies. stuff that Nick said is true. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I said some really deep stuff. It was great. Uh, also, getting back to escape plan at one point. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, Stallone has to like he opens up like a security camera and he's like, uh-huh. "Smile for the camera, everybody!" And uh, Schwarzenegger and uh, the other guy that they're escaping with. Uh, I'll wave to the camera and Schwarzenegger flips a switch on the inside of the camera, which turns all of the cameras in the facility off. Oh, that's handy. Yeah. I was like, why would this have this feature in any, in any world? Uh, anyway, back to 451. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't know. I mean, like it, it like I said, I, I think overall the, this movie, it's, it's kind of, I feel like it's just kind of flashy. Like it doesn't there. It, unfortunately it's a, it's a movie that's got a great story to work with that does it in a way that's all just kind of banking on, Hey, we've got Michael B. Jordan in this. Yeah. And, uh, we've got HBO money behind it and that's about it. Well, I think, I think the movie thinks it's clever, more clever than it is. Um, like it, cause it uses a lot of, Okay, and we're back yet again. Sorry, everybody. Um, kids, am I right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forget what we were saying. Uh, well, we were both kind of saying it's, 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 you were saying it seems like it, it thinks it's more clever than it oh, actually yeah, yeah, is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the movie thinks it's clever than it is. Like, for instance, um, all throughout the movie, it, it seems like everything's being live streamed. Like the news is being live streamed across the internet, which is, I guess, what they call the nine. Uh, I couldn't figure out what the nine was, and I just assumed I it was either. the internet. Um, and 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 it looks like like the current way the internet does. Like if you've ever seen a Facebook Live or a, or a Periscope video where people like thumbs up or hit hearts when they like what they're seeing. Uh huh. Um, and like that's what the news broadcasts are. It's just. 
uh, things like that where, where, where the video is overlaid with people's reactions, but the reactions are emoticons and things like that. So the people that are watching the, the book burnings and the, the firemen doing their jobs are just people at home on their phones or devices watching, watching the news with this detached um, look down upon the people who, who wanted to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I don't know. I, I think some of the things that are in there like that, they, they could work well if the movie just had a little like restraint and subtlety and didn't jump at every idea that the writers thought was kind of clever. Yeah. You know, and it, it just seems like that. It seems like one of those things where they're like, oh, what if this happened? And then they threw it in there and they're like, oh, what yeah. if this was there? It was a little, um, was a little heavy handed at parts, too. Like, for instance, oh, yeah. at one point, um, uh, Michael Shannon is talking to the TV reporter who covers all the news. It's like the same reporter for, for right. every news event. Um, and it's uh, he's talking to her and he's, he just mentions casually like, well, if it doesn't burn at 451 degrees, which is the burning point of paper. Uh-huh. Um, he says, blah, 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 burning at 451 degrees, which is which is like heavy handed. Like I, I knew that because I thought that was a clever thing to know about the book, but like, I didn't, I don't think in the book it's, it's, they come out and say that. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know that either. Actually, my girlfriend was like, it's four fifty one because of that. And yeah. then later Michael Shannon said it and I was like, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And also their, their fire part and fire department number is four fifty one, which was also, I saw that. Like they work for the four fifty one. Yeah, so uh I I guess like any any selling points for this actually I'm gonna cause since I did think that one of the reasons I was looking forward to it was Michael B. Shannon. No, that's not right. <laughs> Michael <laughs> B. Jordan. <laughs> um I I'll say a thing or two about him. I thought there were certain scenes where he was really good in. Mm-hmm. Like he's really good at looking disappointed. Yeah, or that's like his natural face, though. Forlorn, <laughs> is it? Okay. But there were a lot of scenes where I'm like, man, he just looks like he's like not really feeling like doing the work today. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> felt that way about Michael B. Jordan. Um, that, well, that's, like, what, he that's had, what I meant to be talking about. Oh, I thought you were talking about Michael Shannon. No, no, Michael Shannon just looks angry all the time. Oh, okay. So, so I meant to be saying that about Michael B. Jordan. He, I, I thought he'd be great. Half the time he was, and half the time it just seemed a little phoned in. Yeah, I I would agree a hundred percent. Also, I don't think I don't think I like Michael Shannon. Uh, I've seen him in a bunch of things now, and like every time I see him, I'm like, I don't like the way you talk. I don't like your face. I I just don't care for him. I like them as Michael, Michael Shannon. Yeah, I like them as Zod, but I think that's just because he was yelling all the time, and I think he's good at yelling. Yeah, I think that's just that's what he can do. And so yeah, there was there was a lot of this movie where it just seemed kind of like over the top and um and and some of it was in their performances. I think it was in the writing too. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in terms of like their dialogue, but that was just bad writing too a bit. Um but uh but they didn't do it any favors by acting it the way they did. Yeah. Um at the beginning, or I guess a little bit past the beginning, uh, early on, there was something where, where when uh, Michael B. Jordan's first burning stuff, 
yeah. I thought, man, he doesn't seem like he's really into this. And then later I was like, maybe that was his way of trying to show the ambivalence that he was feeling burning stuff, like even early on. Yeah. But it didn't come across that way. It came across more like he just didn't care to act. Yeah, there's big. no real journey for him. Like it, the movie starts off with him being gung-ho about, well, actually, it doesn't even start with him being gung-ho. He's just kind of doing his job. And then halfway through the movie, he's like, hmm, why are we doing this? Uh, I guess yeah. I guess I'll sacrifice my life for it. Yeah, and instead of doing much to try to build that up to to go, hey, look, he is having to turn this corner from being really into it mm-hmm. to questioning it to really going against it. Instead, they just emphasize that he's friends with Michael Shannon. They're like, hey, at the beginning, look at them hugging each other in the street, which is yeah. weird. Yeah, they they and go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, so, so yeah, there, there's this weird, there's this weird relationship between them, which sort of looks like protege and, and, and I don't know, teacher, uh-huh. but then it's also like, they're just like palling around and it's weird and it's strange. Like it just doesn't work. Yeah. They, they, turn and Michael on each Shannon other. is not the guy for that. They turn on each other so easily like that. There's no real, there's no real conflict there other than, oh, they used to be such good friends this guy who works for this other guy. Yeah. And, and you don't get to see Michael B. Jordan go from being really into his job to like being kind of uncomfortable and then, you know, really turning that corner throughout the movie. So I guess it's just, it's just badly done. They go from, they go from best friends to, well, I guess I'll kill you. Yeah. Without a lot of sacrifice. Well, and then there's also this thing throughout the movie where Michael Shannon's character is writing, like, in secret. Yeah. And and I get that maybe he's supposed to be, like, hating this part of himself, too. But, you know, there are just certain ways that things play out where what feels most natural is that he... And it's not that I want a happy ending, because I don't care what the fuck happens in this movie. By the end, I'm like, (laughs) just end. Uh Uh-huh. But uh, but it seems like the most natural ending would be that Michael Shannon would probably commit suicide or something. You know, he would either he would either change his mind. Yeah, like he or doesn't he get... would be torn apart with himself. But mm-hmm. instead, he burns Michael Michael B. Jordan, and he's he's upset about it, I guess. But it's not. Well, I, it just I, doesn't work. They kind of try to put across the line that that Michael Shannon appreciates the value of the written word. Like he writes the things that he writes down are like deep thoughts that he has. Or um, like at one point he's, he writes down something that says um, there's never been a person that trusted you that you haven't betrayed kind of thing. Like, like, like deep thoughts. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then, and, and foreshadowing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um there's no comeuppance for the for him for doing that. He like, he writes that stuff down and then when he's done writing it down, he burns it so that I guess he doesn't get, get caught writing things down. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's, it's a little odd for, for a world that like, is it just fiction that that is against the rules or is it? No, I think it's everything because at the beginning he said there, there, he says you can read all that you want. You can read the Bible and Moby Dick and another book. And yeah, and and then like that's it. So like I couldn't figure out because everyone seems to be literate in this world. They all know how to read and write. So 
like what writing is is against the rules yeah it, i i had that question a, a handful of times throughout the movie because you know they they do end up having to read a fair amount of things like just little things here and there yeah well i mean just um, to just like watching the news like they have all that text going over the news from the social media stuff like you have to be able to read it and write it in order to participate but then at the same time it's like you can't really text you can only put smiley faces out yeah that's true you know like i think that's what a lot of that stuff was like you said that that stuff exists now but it seemed almost like that was all people could say it was like okay smiley face here's my reaction i can't put it into i can't put my thoughts into words okay so you're saying that the people who can read are like that the eels anyway i don't know I think that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like you can't really know. It doesn't. It doesn't. And that you don't need it all spelled out for you. If if the movie can kind of adhere to its own structure and rules, it it would be clearer. I think by nature. Uh huh. But it just doesn't. I don't think they they really had a like the people making the movie really had a good idea of what they were going for. Okay. That's kind of like a what were we talking about last week? There was something in there where I was like, "Wait, if the rules aren't clear, uh, what, what movies? What movie did we see last week?" I don't know. Let's take a oh, let's step into the Wayback Machine. <laughs> we talked about oh, it was it was Cargo. It was Cargo. Cargo, a quiet place yeah. and split. Uh. Yeah, it was it was the cargo one where I was like, these rules, it doesn't follow its own clear enough rules for the audience to kind of understand it all. Right. And I think this one's, it's got different kind of rules to set up. So uh-huh. it's, it's not exactly a one-to-one comparison. But I think in a way, this one's worse because you got people who just like seem like they've never read, but also seem like they can read really well. Right. And yeah. It's it's a big ambiguous mess that's more flash and and I think a little bit of like trying to take advantage of like what's going on in pop culture right now and like politics and stuff. Yeah. And instead of actually being smart, it's just like, well, we can throw this out there and people watch it because they're all pissed off about the world. Right. Yeah. It's true. Um all right. Well that was Fahrenheit four fifty one. Not a very good movie. <laughs> yeah, we don't recommend it. No. In case that's not clear. Um, escape plan, definitely check out. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's ridiculous. Fahrenheit 451, guess what its IMDb rating is? Um, if escape plan was 6.7, what do you think Fahrenheit is? 8.6. 4.9. Oh. Well, people didn't enjoy it. No, they didn't. I didn't. Yeah, maybe maybe a lot of people like you were like, "Hey, I watched this Escape Plan, and I had a good time," and then they watched Fahrenheit four fifty one. They're like, "Hey, I fell asleep." Yeah. Um. All right, Matt. Well, I guess that's going to wrap things up for us this week. Um. You have an exciting week coming ahead. You're going to a comic book convention. Uh, I'm going to something called Gen Con, which is like a gaming convention in Indiana. That's exciting. Um, I. Hope so. I've never been there before, but I think it'll be a, a lot of fun. There should be a lot of cool artwork, like there is at Comic Con. All right, cool. We'll we'll have to hear all about it in the, the next <laughs> in the next episode. And uh, I want to say happy birthday to you because you're having a birthday in a couple of days too. Well, thank you, sir. Another happy birthday back at you. I oh. hope the day uh, continues to go swimmingly. Thank you. Um, 
And uh, any anything to plug, Matt? Uh, not this time around, no. All right. Uh, I don't have... Oh, wait. Uh, uh, check out Matt Vitri's podcast, Movies in the AM. Um, it's on, I guess, anywhere you can get a podcast. And uh, if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. See you later. <laughs>